0: Sorry, the number you have dialed is not in service at this time. Hello and welcome to the World Cricket Show, the world's favourite cricket show. My name is Adam Bayfield and I'll be your host for this one. And the man beside me is Tony Kerr. Hey. Tony, where are we? Um, we are on Guernsey's
1: west coast Sitting on, well I was to say on the sand We're on a blanket on the sand But yeah, down at the beach
0: Yeah, we're on Port Swath One of Guernsey's uh, kind of marquee beaches Is that how you describe it? Yeah, it's a headliner Yeah, sort of blue ribbon beaches a classic uh, <laughs> We've come down here because uh, we, we were going to record in your um, bleak little apartment <laughs> uh, As we normally do And then we thought, why not go to the beach? And I think that was a good decision
1: why not go to the beach should be just a, a sort of catchphrase to live your life by, really. Just do everything be meetings, like business meetings,
0: podcasts, other things. It is pretty glorious. We've come uh, across to the far side, sort of quieter bit, because there's a couple of uh, school field trips going on over there. When we arrived, I was slightly concerned that um, turning up with microphones and a laptop that we <laughs> that we might have been in the wrong spot but um
1: well yeah arriving here it looks sort of look like a kind of medieval battle was about to commence so just sort of you know like shogun total war or something where there's just hordes of armies of kids all over the place kind of massing so we've yeah we've come to a quiet corner
0: yeah and it's uh it's pretty glorious pretty glorious for you can see the sea down there you just sprinted down there trying to uh clean your hands because you've just eaten a, a chicken baguette that you bought from the kiosk. You're still, <laughs> you seem to have cheered <laughs> up a bit. You, you were absolutely seething a minute ago about that chicken baguette.
1: Bristling. No, it's a very good chicken baguette. Just, uh, yeah, almost got into a punch-up, you know, <laughs> buying it. Well, they, they, yeah, because I ordered it, and then the the woman came out, and I think I had, I don't know, 906, the ticket number, and she sort of came out, and she was like, 906...
0: 906 and then it came to tap the shoulder i've been shouting she 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 said to you are you are you 906 (laughs) i've been calling your number and we were obviously chatting at the time i mean arguably what happened is you know there's an interpretation of this that the sweet old lady who runs the kiosk (laughs) was calling the number for the food that you ordered at an affordable price and you were too busy talking to hear it and then got annoyed that she came. I think you weren't annoyed that she came over, but you're annoyed that there was then a comment afterwards that she left. <laughs> you, she left you with a little comment.
1: Well, no, there's the other woman. The other woman who was queuing then chipped in with a sort of like, oh, you know, it's not just women who chit-chat, is it? Which is sexist. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so what you said to <laughs> yeah, jabbed your finger in. That is sexist. <laughs> Stalked off. Anyway, yeah, I've eaten it now. It was very good. So highly recommended. You still got a lot of mayo in your beard, but. Um, uh, but you've cleaned your hands at least, uh, ready for another podcast. We've got a lot of cricket to talk about today. It is—it's probably worth saying uh, for for anyone who didn't listen to to last week's podcast that obviously, um, if you're wondering like why we're doing this together, why there's school field trips going on, we are based in in Guernsey in the Channel Islands where um, coronavirus has been uh, sort of in effect eliminated. Um, with what are we now sort of seventy days um, with no new cases, so we are you know lockdown has been lifted we're not even having to so- do social distancing uh, which does mean we're, we're pretty spoiled and you know our thoughts very much with people in uh, other parts of the world where the situation is much more difficult but it does mean that we can get together in person to record this and we've got a lot a uh, lot to talk about cricket's back tone and we've got plenty to say about it or at least at least i do um so you know stop me try and jump in uh, here and there uh, yeah. Uh, yeah that's what i'll be doing all episode 906 uh, <laughs> 906
1: um
0: i've given you a ticket number yeah to, uh, yeah for my opinion That's <laughs> a lot of 905 opinions <laughs> before that um yes because international cricket professional cricket returned for the first time since the start of the pandemic as the test series between england and the west indies got underway last week in southampton And it was a really good game. Uh, England captained uh, by Ben Stokes, standing in for uh, Joe Root, won the toss, and and somewhat surprisingly, under dark skies, elected to bat first, and they could only scrape together 204. Jason Holder, uh, the star of the show, with six for 42. Shannon Gabriel also taking four wickets. West Indies, in response, uh, had contributions throughout the batting order, including a couple of half-centuries from Craig Brathwaite and Shane Dowrich, as as they posted 318 in reply, so first innings lead of 114, which looked pretty sizable. England batted better in their second innings; they made 313, but at one stage they were 249 for three and would have been thinking about posting a much bigger target than they than they did in the end. The target was 200. Uh, West Indies got off to a very rocky start; their their top four batsmen all made single figures. Um, with w- wickets for Jofra Archer, but a couple of good partnerships first: uh, Roston Chase with Jermaine Blackwood, and then Shane Dowrich with Jermaine Blackwood. Blackwood made 95 um, to steer West Indies to that target of 200 with four wickets in hand to wrap up. Yeah, a very, a very impressive victory in what was, tone, I think, just a, a fantastic game of cricket. Really, it was. I mean, w- we always talk about this. It's kind of exactly the right size of totals I think you know that that often makes for a really good game it's low scoring but not too low scoring enough that it went to the fifth day albeit there was rain on the on the first day but just really engrossing stuff and I'm I have to say that that is not what I was expecting I didn't think that it would be anywhere near this in terms of um, you know in terms of competitiveness or in terms of quality of cricket you know as I said on the preview I was worried that with no crowds um, and no match practice for any of the players coming in, that it might be a little bit flat. It might be kind of lacking atmosphere, and it might not be the best game of cricket. But I'm delighted to say that I was entirely wrong about that. What, what did you make of it? Give us your uh, your view. How, how well, much? How much to say not you,
1: for the first time, but <laughs> what that yeah. was wrong.
0: But uh, yeah, when we come into my prediction shortly,
1: I'm sure. Um, yeah. The <laughs> Stakes will be leveled. Yes,
0: don't, don't be throwing stones there um, yeah. or throwing sand. Um, but yes, what what did you make of it? How much did yeah. you enjoy the return of cricket?
1: Ah, no, it was brilliant, wasn't it? I mean, as you say, it was kind of... Uh yeah, an ideal kind of contest in the, in the end. I you know, was pretty, sort of slightly annoyed that obviously day one was um, pretty rain affected because that was the day I'd set aside to watch pretty much all of the, the cricket. Um, so, yeah, obviously got got a lot of Sky, um, you know, Sky was sort of burning their yeah, edited uh, rain delay material on the first kind of afternoon. But, um, but from there, it was, it was really, yeah, really pretty engaging stuff, wasn't it? And Came towards a conclusion where pretty much anything might have happened. The game could have gone any way, Uh, and in the end, yeah, really well-deserved victory for the West Indies and one that yeah, obviously sets up the series really nicely.
0: Definitely, yeah, and and they come thick and fast. These games, don't they? The the second test starts tomorrow as we're recording this. Hopefully, this will be out before it starts, and the the third test, I think, uh, the same. I think three days, three days later. I guess they, you know, well, it tends to happen anyway with with modern test series, but especially at the moment, they kind of want to want to get in and out, get the Westernies in and out as, as quickly as possible. So it's not too much time to draw a breath. But yeah, I just thought it was a great game of cricket. And I just, I don't know, it was a genuinely um, uplifting, kind of joyous thing, I think, to have Test cricket back. You know, it won't surprise you to hear me say this, but for me, it's truly one of the great things in life. And more than that, and, you know, apologies for getting a little bit sentimental, but it is, I just, I found it genuinely emotional at one point i was getting a bit emotional because it just it, it feels like a sort of um, beacon of normality in what has been a really strange to put it mildly time and a sort of a beacon of, of hope almost that full normality might return at some point and as i say it's not what i was expecting because i thought it was going to feel really strange and not like you know test cricket as we as we know and love it and actually it was pretty much you know, it was pretty much there. And that to me was really, really uplifting. It was like a really great thing to happen. Like the the, the result, I can care less about the result, even as an England fan. Um, So I'm I'm pleased for the West Indies that they won, but just, just to have test cricket back and for it to be that good was just magnificent. Yeah, I agree. And you, you know, you said at the
1: start, we've obviously been pretty lucky here in Guernsey that life has been more or less normal um, for the last, I don't know, six weeks or so, uh, maybe longer. Um, but actually, yeah, To uh, well, the one thing that has been lacking is that kind of interaction with the outside world and actually to having sort of dipped my toe into the football and not got that, not been that kind of rested by it. Um, yeah, it was nice to see, you yeah, see something kind of deliver on all fronts, really. Um, yeah, it was, uh, it was very, very pleasant. Let's put it yeah, that
0: way. well, and also, I mean, it, it's obviously important to acknowledge the fact that we are really spoiled here in It is. At times it can be easy to, to almost forget what's happening elsewhere because, you know, as you say, life does feel largely back to normal and we're all back at work and thinking about things that we have to do at work and stuff. It's not just constantly thinking about lockdown as it was at one point. But, you know, that only holds up to a point because you say there isn't that interaction with, with the outside. Well, all my family are in the UK, all of Elena's family are in France. You know, we haven't seen any of them since Christmas. I don't know when we will be able to see them because we're not allowed on or off the island really at the moment. So you know it yes we're very lucky here but life is not what it was before so uh, yeah i just found it really quite moving uplifting hmm. and i think yeah to have something like that back and for it to be as good as it was
1: yeah when you see the reaction of people of cricket fans cricket lovers in england and, and further afield obviously because um it was the first international cricket anywhere so uh yeah to see see the impact it has and the the enthusiasm and the the outlet for that that part of or that's a big part of so many people's lives is um yeah was was just very sweet
0: i mean the one the one way in which it was uh, sort of noticeably you know markedly different to normal test matches was obviously is the obvious one that there was no crowd there um what did you think about that i mean they, they they sky chose to to pipe in a bit of crowd noise but not i suppose just the nature of the sports being different made this what it was but they, it wasn't the same as in the football where you have like the chanting and and the big reactions to things that happen on the field where someone's you know pressing a button that says you know close or i don't know um shot saved or whatever it is with the test match it was just a constant kind of low burble lord's low, yeah um that, as you say that you might get at lords um what did you what did you think about that because you 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 were a, you didn't really want that you said you were and you were quite yeah. skeptical about that how did you how did you find that
1: i didn't ahead of it um well yeah i guess probably in the crash of the football it would be an immense feat of concentration to to sit through yeah to sit through five days of, of test cricket possibly having to press on in any number of like eight options say for kind of you know big appeal or
0: polite applause yeah
1: exactly um so, uh, so I guess yeah, it was the kind of the logical, practical option. And, and actually, I you know I, I didn't mind it. I, I, I quite liked it in parts. I think certainly you know, particularly any time there's a close up of a player, uh, bowler walking back to the mark or whatever, and you can't see that there's any crowd there, it, it felt absolutely natural. Uh, and even you know obviously the cricket is the sort of sport where you do look away, or you might you know if you've got it on the TV, you walk away into the kitchen for whatever how long and you know just to have that one in the background it kind of made it seem like a very plausible realistic uh event um it did make me well, laugh maybe it's not the right word but it did, i just sort of wonder why they played the hubbub in over the minute silence at the start did you see that <laughs> yeah yeah was, uh, maybe they were just getting used to it. i mean too fair it did seem like they had some technical um technical demons right at the start sky and i actually really like that because they lost all the cameras i think apart from one for i don't know the first pretty much the first 20 minutes of play and it was almost sort of down to like a sort of village-esque one camera if if you're filming a village game you know one camera setup it was uh yeah which was quite nice
0: yeah i mean i i I really like the crowd noise i have to say i've enjoyed it in the football as well but it it, it just really like it really kind of helps my brain think that it's normal i mean when someone then cracks a cut shot to the boundary and there's no reaction you realize oh yeah (laughs) there's no crowd there but as you say, when the bowler's just kind of walking back to his mark, and the commentators are just chatting about, you know, thriller novels or whatever it is that they're talking about, it just it just helps And Without it, I think it it does it does lose something. And it, 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 and also, I think some people don't like it because it's fake, and they you know that they think it sort of feels fake. But I'm not sure about that. I mean, I think yes, if it was if you were playing it over a village game or you know over a evening league Sunday league game or whatever, then yes. That d- that does feel fake because th- there wouldn't be a crowd there in normal circumstances. But you know there would be a crowd there in normal circumstances, and also there are so many millions of people watching it around the world that it doesn't feel wrong to have that crowd noise. If you see what I mean, it doesn't sort of feel um, inappropriate. So so I like it, and it just it, it helps me to enjoy it. I don't. know. Was there an option to not have it? Because that's what they sky do that in the football, and I don't didn't see that option in the cricket. And you know that that seems like a simple solution for anyone who is yeah um, i didn't notice it if there wasn't keen
1: the one thing I, yeah, yeah maybe and you mentioned it it is it was really noticeable when as you say a four uh was hit like i wonder whether an option to have like a picture in picture kind of slightly wider camera angle just so that you can kind of see that it's beaten the you know it's beating mm. the in front there's no you know filler on the boundary is going to stop it whatever that it'd be easier to kind of work out what was going on sometimes without the crowd noise you sort of you weren't necessarily sure that it was going to be a four or whatever.
0: Yes, no, that's a good point. Or whether there was a fielder kind yeah. of sweeping round. Yeah. No, that's that's true. I mean, I, 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 the, the other aspects of the, the lack of the crowd is I, I wonder whether it made a difference to the outcome. It's obviously impossible, we'll never know. But in that kind of tense run chase, fourth innings run chase that West Indies had, they were wobbling early on. And had there been a crowd there, it would have been very noisy. You know, the Barmy army would have been singing. And that would have really kind of added to the pressure wouldn't it? it would ramped up that pressure. And, and with the with the fact that for the players, they didn't have that even that verbal. It was just silent. You know, it, that probably helped them mentally. But but as I say, we'll, we will never know in terms of the the game itself. I mean, I wonder, you know, we can obviously we've got lots to talk about here, but I, I just wonder what you think, whether it's right or wrong to even do that you know is it does it is it somehow wrong to kind of pick the bones of this of of England's performance I mean we kind of said this a bit on the preview is it kind of unfair to be critical of the team or to put a spotlight on particular individuals if we just kind of sit here now and okay like Butler get him out what is Butler doing um (laughs) is that is that fair you know I mean yes it's really nice for us to be able to have these sorts of discussions to be able to think about this sort of thing and talk about this sort of thing but for the individuals themselves, it's probably. Yeah. yeah a bit, I mean, what do you think in terms of? Yeah, after the pandemic, no match practice. Lots of people are talking about it. Lots of newspaper columns are being written. What What do you think?
1: Yeah, no, I, I think you're onto something there. I do think. Uh, I think we said it last week as well, or the week before, that it is in some ways a bit of a free pass, um, and it should be. Likewise. Those, the, those conversations are natural and they are uh, a kind of a key part of the whole ecosystem, aren't they, of cricket? And people will have them. And, um, and we're going to have them in um, a minute, don't, don't, them, <laughs> don't yeah. get me wrong. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, yeah, we'll come on to it. But um, in terms of, you know, w- whether decisions were right or wrong, at the end of the day, I don't know. I, you know, it was, it was a test match that both teams could easily have won. It was a really good contest. West Indies deserve an awful lot of credit. England, um, you know, probably be pretty disappointed with themselves. Uh, you know, given the the side that they kind of feel like they should be or are, even yeah, I don't think you. I don't think it's cause necessarily to be too harsh.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I, I say we are going to have those. That said, yeah, God Butler said. out. But, yeah. <laughs> that that being said, Butler, what is he doing? No, I don't um, know. But yes, I think I suppose to sort of caveat it all by saying um, it's a little bit unfair. <laughs> um, but well, perhaps then we ought to start with West Indies because it was. A pretty remarkable performance that they put in and it is a historic victory for them it's only their second test victory in england in the last 20 years after um after heading in last time so actually they've won two of their last three tests in england i mean did did people underestimate them do you think did, did we underestimate them coming in as i said on the preview you know I'd, i feel like because obviously like you pre- predicted a three-nil whitewash i predicted that they'd win a test but that they would still lose the series which they still might but you know, I said on the preview that I had there been no pandemic, I would have probably, I would have been really excited about the series, and I probably would have given them a pretty good chance of winning it. But it just felt that because it was so weird and they were without two of their best batsmen, that perhaps that would would set them back. But yeah, I don't know. I, w- I just wonder if they were underestimated a bit because the perception is still there that they are a you know a struggling Test team, and that is justified to some extent. I mean, they're. They're eighth in the rankings. They're some distance away from Pakistan in seventh. And other than that win over England in the Caribbean last year, you have to go back to 2012 to find the last time they won a series against someone other than Bangladesh, Zimbabwe, or Afghanistan. And actually, if you exclude those three teams, uh, they've only won six of their last 33 tests, uh, 32 tests, going back to 2015.
1: Including this one?
0: uh no no, so sorry including this one it would be seven of their last 33 but uh four of those have come against england other than that i think they've beaten pakistan twice and sri lanka once but yeah i mean it's so that is the record but is is this kind of young youngish team that they're assembling rather better than those numbers would suggest do you think
1: Yes, I think yeah. Well, certainly, on the face of it, you'd say that I underestimated West Indies. I I, I felt like England would. Have, I would say that. Yeah, um, but not massively. But I just felt like England would have enough to to be fairly comfortable in the series, and uh, you know, for whatever reason, that didn't come to pass in this first test. But yeah, obviously, the circumstances, as you say, made it kind of hard to yeah hard to call exactly how both sides were gonna um, were gonna show up for it, but yeah in a, in a word yes we did underestimate them and when you look at I mean the, the batting lineup still doesn't stand out hugely um but but the the bowling lineup you know England's batters just weren't up for it
0: yeah the, 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 it. the fast bowling attack. I was gonna say it's one of the best attacks in the world but actually there's a lot of very good fast bowling attacks around at the moment but it's it's uh it's certainly a lot better than and you know than any attack they've had for some time i mean I, they, they do like playing against england it must be said i mean as i say i think four of those seven wins have been against england so i wonder whether that kind of skews our perception slightly into thinking they're a better team than they are whether it's actually that england aren't very good at the moment because yeah they they beat england and were so impressive in the caribbean 18 months ago but then india toward the caribbean six months later and beat them really comfortably obviously india are you know the best team in the world at the moment but nonetheless But yeah, West Indies have now won five of their last 10 tests against England, which they've won more than they've lost. Jason Holder has won four out of six tests against England as captain. Obviously, he missed that test in St. Lucia that England won. We didn't mention really Holder on our preview, except to say that he (laughs) He had an an ankle injury, which he obviously recovered from. But it was incredibly impressive in the first innings. Yeah, definitely. And just throughout as captain. I mean, yeah. I guess probably we probably
1: well he was overshadowed wasn't he in the build-up by Ben Stokes and largely because of the, the Stokes taking the captaincy. But yeah, you know, the fact he was, went in as the number one all-rounder in the world and yeah, you know, his stats over the last couple of years are pretty phenomenal. And and he and he he's done a great job. And you know you look at the way he conducted himself around you know some obviously emotive and um, uh, and serious issues like around the match itself. Just as an overall kind of presence in that West Indian team, you you couldn't. Kind of, you couldn't write a better leader, really. Could you forge one? It'd be Jason Holder,
0: and he's obviously yeah one one prong of that that four man seam attack that we mentioned. And they were all really good, I thought, in this game. Kemar Roach did, did he end up wicketless? I think it didn't take a wicket, but it was better than that would suggest. Yeah, Shannon Gabriel ended up with nine in the match. He was man of the match. He's a tremendous bowler to watch. Isn't yeah, he? I mean, he's he's a big unit, kind of hustling in. Um. And just the fact that he hits the stumps so much, does so that stat stat doing the round rounds that is he fifth or sixth in the list in terms of percentage of wickets bowled? I think the five above him all played in like the nineteenth century, so it, which is quite interesting. And that is one of the great sights in cricket, isn't it? It's a fast bowler hitting the stumps, and you get your money's worth with Shannon Gabriel in that sense. And yeah, just just throughout the team, really, like they're pretty much all contributed didn't they uh, Shane Dowrich with a half century I like Dowrich like he obviously struggled badly last time he was in England what did he score something like 28 runs in three tests and um, so I'm pleased for him that he's got some runs already and Roston Chase is a uh, is a sort of untalked about cricketer but he's really important to this team he's kind of the fulcrum isn't he because he um by batting at five and being the frontline spinner he allows West Indies to play those four fast bowlers now listeners may be thinking well hang on isn't that the moeen alley role <laughs> um i <where, laughs> not someone i've had a huge amount of time for but i think the difference for me with roston chase and the reason that i would big him up compared to moeen is that i think Ro- roston chase is one of west Indies' six best batsmen you know, He he gets into the team as a batsman um in a way that moeen never did for me and you know so so that that's the difference there and he's whether you know, in other parts of the world, when they go to the subcontinent or whatever, or, or, or even to Australia, whether they might have to look at that game because he's not a, an absolutely world-class spin bowler. Is he, he does a job, um, but in these conditions, he's a he's a really uh, a really useful player. Um, and we haven't mentioned Jermaine Blackwood. Really have magnificent innings from him that deserved the hundred fell just short kind of chipped it to mid off didn't he
1: yeah I mean you wouldn't it, it wasn't sort of chanceless was it I mean I, yeah it was dropped a few times England yeah I mean going into that final morning or final day uh, you, I don't know what the odds we, you'd have put England winning it from there I think certainly when they had Western is three or four down me.
0: well it was three down but with John Campbell having retired yeah. her at the same time
1: yeah so yeah yeah. when, when uh, Shea Hope fell probably would have backed england to win it from there and and but for i don't know what maybe i should call it sloppy stuff in the field but it was just it it was just a bit of an off day uh
0: yeah they dropped a couple and zach crawley missed what would have been a fairly straightforward run out just kind of had to toss it into butler to take the the bails off
1: yeah the one that just flew past rory burns where he kind of just didn't get a hand on it um you know you'd you would have sort of expected him to take that so that's it, I, you know, I don't think England were that far away, um, Yeah, know, clearly didn't make enough runs up front, but... Well, we'll come on yeah. to it,
0: we'll come on to it in a sec, we'll just, just quickly finish on West Indies, I think, yeah, it, it, as you say, certainly not chances from Blackwood, but it was a really good innings, he did the job, he got the team home in the end, and it's, you know, it was just interesting to note that he wouldn't have played would he had, had Hetmyer or Bravo travelled, and I think he's just... he's he's good to watch, isn't he? I mean, you can't take your eyes off, off it when, when Blackwood's batting, he's got a hell of a cover drive as well. It's really aesthetically pleasing. Yeah. That cover drive. So, so yeah, as I say, I think pretty much one to 11, they, um, they contributed and I, all in all, I do think this is uh, pretty much without doubt the best West Indies team that we've seen for quite some time, possibly this century since the retirements of, of Ambrose and Walsh. And maybe even before that, I mean, you know, that, kind of late 90s, early 2000s team had Ambrose, Walsh, Lara had those all-time greats but maybe kind of as a whole this team is better and that's not to say they'll win the series, they've still got a a lot of hard work ahead of them and it's far from impossible that we're going to see a batting collapse or two at some point because uh, that batting lineup is somewhat fragile but I think you can, what you can guarantee now is that they're going to be competitive aren't they they're at the very least going to give England a real run for their money in these last two games and their bowlers will put the England batsmen the, the the equally fragile England batting lineup under serious pressure. And yeah. that's, that's exciting for, for world cricket.
1: Exactly. By winning that first match as well, you know, they've, they've as you say, uh, as you mentioned earlier, you know, it's, it's a pretty quick-fire series, but they're, they've they got something to, to hold on to now, something to go for. So, you know, I think they'll be hugely motivated to, uh, yeah, to, to walk away with the series victory. And, uh, you know, England, for England, yeah, not an unusual position recently to be in having lost the first game of a series and they're kind of sort of fighting back now.
0: No, that is now five test series in a row where they've lost the first match. They've only won one of those series in the end, uh, which was obviously in South Africa. And we were kind of full of optimism, I think, after that win in South Africa because England were very impressive there. You're now beginning to wonder: well, is it actually that South Africa, which we talked about at the time, that South Africa aren't very good at the moment? And um, but yeah, you know, for all the reasons we stated, it's probably it's much too early to to make any judgments there and we'll at the very least wait until the end of this series but yeah you do have to say that this game had a familiar feel to it at times in the way it played out in terms of you know just not enough runs in the well at all but not enough runs particularly in the first innings so yeah as we say perhaps perhaps they deserve a free pass this time but um, you mentioned those missed opportunities in the field I think that is something that you can potentially give them a free pass on and just say, well, you know, that is probably rustiness. But they did make some questionable decisions, a questionable decision by Stokes um, at the toss to bat first in those conditions. Also with selection, leaving out Stuart Broad. What did you think about that? Was that the, the wrong decision?
1: well i don't know i mean it's not the decision i would No, it is the decision i made I, about say,
0: I kind of i kind of teed you up there i was waiting to see to see whether you were going to pile in because yeah. you, you said you would have left broad out no
1: that I, I yeah that's the attack i would have gone with um and I, you know obviously i don't know lots of what questions they
0: playing at
1: <laughs> leaving broad out uh, yeah i mean would broad have changed the result i don't know possibly um I think it's just in those conditions on that pitch he yeah. probably would have been quite useful. Agreed. Um but but you know going into it you know Archer you know uh, you know most people would be pretty yeah you know, would be pretty keen to see Archer in there given the sort of player he already is and the and the, the player he has the potential to become uh, and Wood has been just awesome when he's when he's uh, been in in the team in the last year or so. So yeah, I don't I don't think it was the wrong decision. Um I mean, it's undoubtedly harsh on Broad, and obviously, he spoke very uh, openly and honestly to Sky.
0: Um, in the diary room, yeah,
1: in the diary room. Um, well, Stuart is in the diary room, but you know, he's he's got he, he's obviously hugely experienced, but he's he's by no means near the end of his career, is he? So, um, I don't know. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure he he would have felt he could have done a uh, done a job there, um, and I'm sure he will do a job in this series. And and might be even extra motivated to come back when he does and and you know and do some damage.
0: Yeah, I thought that interview he gave was good. Uh, you know, when I, when I first of all I just saw his quotes written down and I did sort of, and I did sort of think, oh, that's quite quite strong. But when it's you prickly. actually when you actually watch it, you know, and you get his tone, I think it is. He is basically saying that yeah, he's angry, but he understands that they all deserve to play and yeah. it's a difficult decision. And he's basically saying like, I'm glad I'm angry because it shows that I'm still motivated to keep playing. And I, th- I thought it was very honest and and encouraging, actually. So, yeah, I was pleased about that. And, it, and you know, we often complain about the sort of platitudes that, that people give in interviews. So I think you can't then be upset when they do say something more interesting than that.
1: Um, yeah, and I think as well, over the last, I don't know how many years, you know, Broad has obviously been an ever-present and on, on home soil. What was the stat? It was the first game he's missed in... Since 2012, in a lot of years, mm. um, but England hasn't haven't necessarily been a been a brilliant side all the time in those in, in those years. So I don't know. At some point, you know, in searching for a way forward, that's going to take them beyond the side they have been, and it's not necessarily been his or the bowlers' fault in that time. Mm. But you know, got to got to try something, I guess.
0: Yeah, sure. And uh, as you as you say, I think they they all deserve to play really. And and we've said before, if Woods fit. you you pick him and it would have been pretty harsh to leave out Archer and obviously Anderson's going to play so where where does that leave you um that being said Broad was the leading wicket-taker in South Africa he was the leading wicket-taker in the Ashes so it on on that level it's a strange decision but you know I suppose you can compare it to when they left out Hoggard and Harmison in 2008 and brought in Anderson and Broad which at the time you know Hoggard and Harmison had been struggling a bit but it was still quite a shocking decision i remember being really uh, angry about it but it turned out to be absolutely the right decision and uh, you know i think breaking up the anderson broad partnership or at least sort of saying they're not both guaranteed to play all the time is probably the right thing at the moment given that they're both th- what what are they 34 and 37 and i don't think there's anything wrong with looking ahead a bit to challenges coming further down the line and and, and wanting to get wood and archer kind of bedded in as much as possible or as much as injuries will allow. Two kind of interesting things to come out of it now is that, you know, once again, England fail with the bat and the conversation is all about which bowler to drop. But, you know, having said that, they like, would an archer actually bowl pretty well in the end? I mean, th- th- this conversation was happening after the first innings when neither of them took a wicket. But in the second innings, they both did much better. And so, yeah, probably much too, too quick to, to write players off after one innings. And it is, it, there's no doubt that if you're going to, uh, if you're going to pinpoint a reason for the defeat, it's definitely the batting rather than the bowling. So there's no real necessity to drop a bowler, I don't think. But the other thing as well is that, yeah, I think Broad probably would have been very effective on that pitch in those conditions. That might not necessarily be the case at Old Trafford. Traditionally, you'd expect Old Trafford to be better for the quicker bowlers. So do you now kind of uh, double down on on the mistake, if it was a mistake, by leaving out one of Wooden Archer and bringing Broad back because that's what you should have done in Southampton when actually leaving Broad out in Old Trafford might be the right thing to do. Hmm. So um, it'll be interesting to see which way they go. And in terms of the batting, I, I don't think we mentioned on the preview, I, 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 was, I was sort of trying to work out what batting lineup England would pick. And I was wondering if it would be Lawrence or Bairstow. I I, I, I didn't even mention Joe Denley. I didn't think he was in the frame. Um, I mean, which is probably a bit harsh because he's, he's been the man in possession for, for quite some time. And he's done a job, hasn't he? He's put in a shift. But, you know, let's be honest. I think you know, he, was a, he was only ever picked as a stopgap. And I think it was slightly curious that they, they stuck with him here when Dan Lawrence, when, you know, when it does seem like the right time to give Dan Lawrence an opportunity. But I, it, it seems like they're going to leave him out now. And what about Joss Butlerton? You know that the mood is souring. It seems quite rapidly on on Butler. It seems like everyone kind of realised in this game that he hasn't actually scored any runs for a long time. What What do you think?
1: Ah, uh, yeah. I mean, yeah,
0: yeah. It was just a as a
1: batting performance. It was pretty uninspiring overall. Um, and and again, you know, we'll come back to it. Yeah, you know, there, there is probably a free pass or two to be handed out here at least until the end of the series. Uh, and uh, so I, I would give Butler until the end of the series I probably would move Denley out for this time, I, as you say you know he, he's come in he, he came in as you know say old because he's, he's a year older than us <laughs> but he, you know coming as a the year above mate. you know a, ancient a player at a certain stage in his career as you say to do a job which he did to a certain extent and and has kind of stuck around and I, I, yeah, I don't really see what they're keeping him in the side for at the moment. That's not to say that in a year or th- a year's time when England need a job doing, and uh, yeah, he can come back and do a job if needed. But for the time being, you know, he's had a good run and it's probably time, given that he hasn't actually you know, nailed down that
0: spot in the team to move him on. No, he's averaging 29, isn't he? And, and not scored 100 yet. And it's been quite frustrating because at times it's looked like, he is going to kick on and, and put in a big score, but it's just not quite happened. And I, I feel bad for the guy in saying this, but and I think he's you know he's he's done a, a good job in terms of what he's asked to do. He's been a, he's been a good servant for the team because he's he came in after the retirement of Kirk and with you know with England's batting in all sorts of trouble, and he he kind of he hung in there um, and and you know and held some innings together. He's not failed, but he's he's not the answer. He's not the long-term answer, is he? And yeah. I think he, he, will, he will go now because Root's coming back and Zach Crawley scored that half century and, you know, he's the obvious man to make way. But it was just slightly strange to me that they picked him for this game.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. He was very much a sort of sticking plaster, yep. wasn't he, o- o- on a side. And he was brought in to, to bat some time, um, which England needed. And, and, you know, arguably still do. But I think you can ask a little bit more than that. I think, you know... You, there's only so many spots in the team and in a perfect world, obviously England would have more batting than could fit in, like in the, with the bowling attack. But I think you can have slightly higher expectations that, that your number three will be able to bat time and accumulate some runs yeah. as well. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know if what Danny's done has been enough to exactly, yeah, exactly to so sort of enough to justify taking him any further. Um,
0: no. And as I say, it's, it's unfortunate
1: for him and uh well, the flip yeah. side is it's an opportunity he probably didn't think he was going to get. So, yeah. in that sense, he's had a he's had a great couple of years or a great year and,
0: and a bit. I do. I feel bad for the guy. No one should be kind of laying into him, but it just it is time to move on. And in terms of Butler, you know, I, I would move on now as well. It looks like they are going to stick with him. You feel like that's an, an Ed Smith call, isn't it? I think Smith staked quite a lot on Butler. He brought him back with a lot of fanfare in twenty eighteen. With a lot, you know, with a sort of high concept that he believed in, this idea of of white ball players translating what they could do in white ball cricket into red ball cricket. Well, we, we haven't seen that with Butler. I think it was it one century and forty two Test matches, and since the start of twenty nineteen, he's averaging twenty three in twenty seven innings. I mean, for me, I just think yeah, leave him to get on with it in white ball cricket. He's such a good, good player, such an important player for England in white ball just don't no point messing around with him and in, in trying to turn him into a test player after all this evidence has shown that he's he's not a natural and there is Ben folks there who i think it was very harsh that he was dropped because he did a very good job in the winter of 2018 so i would move on from butler too but it looks like they're they're probably going to give him at least till the end of this series as you say
1: yeah uh, yeah exactly that's what i would do and but but i agree with you If if it doesn't you know if he can't find a way to to get some runs on the board in the next couple of tests then then yeah it's it's probably it's probably not worked out for him at the moment and there are all being well pandemic aside you know some big white ball assignments coming up that, that England will want him to be at his best for so hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank
0: you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. So it wasn't a particularly great game for England. It also wasn't a great game for the umpires, Richard inning with Richard Kettleborough, and the third umpire, Michael Goff. It made me laugh, actually. I don't know if you picked up on this. I think Michael Goff might be a big Bob Willis fan because he kept saying Richard all the time <laughs> yeah. whenever there was a review. He was going, uh, just waiting for ball tracking, Richard. Yeah, that's pitched outside, Richard. You'll have to change your decision, Richard. <laughs> You're on screen now, Richard. Um, I don't know. But also the fact that they were both called Richard just meant that, that yeah. it was just non-stop Richards throughout throughout the game. Um, but yes, not a, not a great game for them. I think they had nine decisions over 10, and seven of those nine overturned decisions were reviews by West Indies so seven um, seven decisions that that went against West Indies that were overturned now the reason that that's potentially worth uh, worth noting is that these are obviously home umpires aren't they? they're English umpires which is not what usual practice is normally uh home umpires aren't allowed or umpires of, of either of the teams playing aren't allowed to stand in the game they have to be neutral um but with the you know but obviously the pandemic means that they're 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 not flying in umpires from other parts of the world so they've gone with the English umpires which is why they've added an extra review there's now three reviews which is a good decision I think and the the DRS being there means that this is much less controversial than it would have been it's another reason why you know I, I don't understand anyone who's against DRS at this point not that there are many left I'll just throw it over to you I mean do you, I, I just wonder what you think because this is something that's been talked about in the past about whether it's time to reinstate home umpires because of the Mm. fact DRS is there because it often comes up in the ashes doesn't it because actually a large proportion of the elite panel of umpires are either English or Australian so when the ashes is played there's quite a limited pool of umpires to pick from and you know and they often aren't the very top ones so it's something that's kind of brought up then but does this
1: yeah, I mean, it make
0: pro- you question that.
1: It's probably maybe a, yeah a touch small sample size to to make too harsh a judgment after one test, but yeah, it, it'll be it'll be something that people are watching, won't it, into the, the second and third tests? Um, you know, you 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 wonder what you know what the driving force behind that is because obviously there's no crowd, so you might you know you could maybe forgive an umpire for being slightly influenced by a big. LBW shout that gets a you know huge roar from the crowd or whatever, um, which which you know I'm sure they would say they wouldn't be affected by. So you wonder why
0: or where that yeah if
1: there is a, if there's any bias there where that decision making is where, where
0: it's coming from. What was the name of that Indian umpire in the 2001 uh, India Australia? Yeah, we talked about him the other week. We yeah, you <laughs> pointed out that for, <laughs> for Harbhajan's winning wicket, it was a winning wicket yeah. or a hat trick. Anyway, either way that his fingers going up like before the appeal oh yeah he was like running he took a run up into the into the uh, decision <laughs> streaks off yeah. to celebrate with the players pretty much it was fantastic um, and, and that does kind of you know that does illustrate why that rule was changed I mean I, I do think that what this game shows you're right that it's too small a sample size but what it shows to me is that when people say it's time for home umpires to come back and it's often yeah because people are getting frustrated with like um, Alim Dar and and co who are making howlers in the ashes and say, well, look, the best umpires in the world are Australian and English. So just get them in they're professional. There's no way they're going to be biased. And, and that is true. And then the DRS is there as a kind of fail safe. But for me, it's, it's all, it's irrelevant whether or not they are biased. It's the perception, isn't it? And the, perc- mm. you know, umpires do make mistakes. Neutral umpires make mistakes. Home umpires will make mistakes. And, if they're making mistakes in favor of their home team the perception will be that there's bias and i just i just think it's a non-starter for that reason it surely
1: it's never been a better time to be an umpire with drs and i know there's you know the chat this chat about that they're sort of scared or they you know they don't want to make a decision that would then be overturned because it would reflect poorly on them but with that safety net there it kind of gives them you know they should be making more decisions and uh, well, they should, sorry, they should be getting more decisions right uh, once you know the reviews have been taken into account. So I don't know. It, it's kind of yeah. I don't know if necessarily it's necessarily a bad thing if decisions are overturned because as long as we've got to the right decision. You mentioned DRS. I mean, it, it's almost like smoking in pubs, isn't it? It's sort of it, it's impossible to imagine life without it, really. And it, it's and it's jarring. You know, when you do see a game and it's not there.
0: Well, yeah. And again, you know, through lockdown, we were kind of dipping back into those test series from the past and yeah you sort of forget that like even in the 2005 Ashes it wasn't there and that it may well have played out differently had it been there you know Kasparovich, the man to go and all that but yeah I, I never understood people who are against it it's, it's interesting this the comparison with VAR in football which is so controversial and you sort of see the resistance to technology in football we don't need to get into it but I, I think it I think that it's another uh, another example of the way that cricket and football are just fundamentally different sports in cricket it's it's about line calls isn't it most of the time and and that it's just different to football it's also that in football one of the reasons I think people hate VAR and I supported it but have come to you know to to not like it it's just that it feels like it's so kind of killjoy because all it ever does is take goals away whereas in cricket it takes wickets away and adds wickets on in equal measure in football you know if an offside flag goes up the move breaks down it's not like they continue playing score a goal and then go back to see whether it was offside or not the move just breaks down whereas so all it can ever do in football is is take away a goal because it was offside um anyway that's a bit of a digression but um but yes I, I really don't understand anyone who's against DRS and cricket and I never have uh, and this is just more more kind of uh support for that because yeah, it would have been a very different game and it would have been much more controversial had there been no DRS. Yeah. Um just one stray observation and this is something that I've talked about far too many times on the podcast so apologies for going back into it but <laughs> it just I, I like was sort of slamming my head against the coffee table uh, at one point during the game. I actually can't remember who it <laughs> was that was out. It may have been Shamar Brooks that was given out caught behind and he reviewed it. And the uh, technology showed that he had, in fact, nicked it behind. And as he was walking off, Rob Key was, you could tell he was sort of shaking his head going, what a bizarre review. I don't understand that. You know if you've nicked it. You know if you've nicked it. And just, again, for anyone who's not heard me say this before, if DRS has proved anything, it's that you don't always know if you've nicked it. And actually, that contention makes no sense when you think about it. Because if you've nicked it and you don't know, you wouldn't know that. And all this has proved is that presumably in the past when Rob Key played and there was no DRS, he would have thought, well, yeah, I always knew if I nicked it. But there may well have been times when he nicked it and he didn't know, but there was no technology to prove one (laughs) way or the other whether he had. And this just seems to me to be a fairly obvious point that people still haven't really grasped. But there you go. Well, the first day of the game, Tony, as you mentioned, was curtailed by rain, which felt very sort of typical that we'd been building up to this. Like you, Wednesday, the first day, was the only day that I could have watched most of the game live and hardly any play was played, so that was a bit frustrating. But it did mean that a lot of people were watching uh, when Sky used that rain break to discuss Black Lives Matter um, and uh, how it fits in to cricket. And there was a piece with, with Michael Holding and Ebony Rainford Brent and then a discussion afterwards uh, between Ian Ward and holding Rainford Brent and NASA about racism in cricket and it was it was pretty remarkable television really wasn't it
1: yeah it, I mean it really was um I tweeted you know it was probably the best timed rain delay really uh, you know you could remember in terms of kind of leaving space for something very very meaningful and that i I you'd hope would have done a lot of good and I I, I, it's just watching that seeing you know on one hand the 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 raw emotion in which ebony rainford brent talks about her experiences of stuff and, and the effect it's had on her and then on the you know the other side the kind of uh, well and i know michael Harding later spoke to i think sky news and and and, and got quite emotional but in, in that moment his analysis of the situation of racism generally in society and of his own experience it was just you know amazingly um like considered calmly passionate uh, and I, you know it's hard to imagine how anyone could watch that and be like oh no this isn't the thing really or like watch that and be like no nah, he's not you know it's, it's this is not an issue that that needs addressing so you know hopefully and, but but you did you know on twitter I, I saw a lot of people saying oh you know i didn't i don't tune in to be lectured by Uh, you know lectured by these like wealthy old and it's just like that's an absolute nonsense (laughs) take on the situation isn't it and and it's amazing that anyone could have listened to Mike Holding speak and thought that they were being lectured bonkers
0: yeah as you say it's quite depressing to see this guy tweeting out the clip and then like all the top rated or top top rated but the sort of most liked replies are kind of along those lines and obviously then people taking into task and there's Um, the majority of people are supportive but it's clear that there's uh there's still a lot of work to be done and that has been a quite kind of shocking thing about this whole recent movement is just kind of realizing how many people out there still have views like that and listen like you can you can debate the um kind of rights and wrongs and the aims of the specific organization black lives matter as a as an organization and what they hope to achieve you know defunding the police and all that like that is a there's a discussion to be had there but that's actually not what they were talking about they weren't talking about the political movement they were talking about their experiences of racism and racial bias and why and what work still needs to be done and it's very difficult to see how you can have a problem with that um and uh, yeah just just it, it was just it was brilliant television like just watch yeah. it if you haven't and just so much respect for um, well all of them but especially Michael Holding it's just I, I, you hope that, that that segment can change a few minds because he's if you love cricket you must respect Michael Holding because he's just such a authoritative authoritative figure legend of the game both on the field and as a commentator and when he's talking about it this well and this clearly yeah, I find it very difficult to see how you can't be open at least to that. Yeah,
1: quite, and it, and it was an amazingly um absorbing kind of yeah, see, yeah piece of television. Obviously, there was it was a pretty lengthy pre-recorded bit that that Michael and Emily did, which was yeah powerful of course in its own right. But actually, the, the discussion afterwards was yeah with the, the fact that it had a bit of time, they had a bit of time to actually get into it and and, and give it. You know a decent airing um yeah it has got to be it's got to ha- have had an impact the way that or the culture of of cricket is one of a lot you know it's a it's a thinking person's game isn't it and, and it's a you know there's a lot of you know people have time to form quite like you know time to ponder the the facts of life when it comes to cricket um so it's probably no surprise that that people involved in the game can can put those really quite delicate issues into you know in, into a pretty kind of evocative but concise and clear way. Uh, yeah, was, yeah. As you say, just just watch it. I think definitely. If you, if you didn't.
0: All right, so in the second test starts uh, at Old Trafford. As we're recording this, it's tomorrow. Um, what do you think? What do you think is going to happen? The rest of the series? Are you still backing oh, England to win no. it?
1: Every time, yeah. I've just, I feel like I'm on a, a bit of a bad trot at the moment <laughs> with predictions. Uh, yeah, I'm going to back England to win this test. Yeah.
0: I mean, I pre-series I said two-one. So that could still happen. So in some ways, I ought to stick to my guns. But I don't know. I was, I, I was really impressed with West Indies in this game. England maybe can shake off that rustiness and and yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they won. I wouldn't be surprised if they win this series. But I am going to just modify my prediction. I'll go for West Indies 2-1. I fa- I fancy him. I fancy I fancy Jason Holder to see this through. And it would be a historic achievement if they could do it. Uh, yeah, it would be huge. It would be huge. And, and There's um, not yeah. many teams winning England, even in the last few years when England haven't been that impressive not many teams win in england
1: uh yeah i I'd I'd, i sort of meant to have a look i didn't get chance but you know just to see what the the reaction was you know, in the west indies to to the result um and, and certainly yeah certainly if it, it you know if they could clinch the series win uh yeah massive kind of a massive marker laid laid down it would, it would be a massive marker laid down by that side in terms of generating a bit more forward momentum on the test field
0: be good to see definitely um all right i think that pretty much does it uh have you found this one on the beach well i think we'll do the rest of them on the beach this summer to be the, honest the kids have all gone the field trips have uh have departed so i think we're actually are we the only people on the beach pretty much i think i mean i don't know why it's pretty warm it's there's glorious. a few clouds in the sky the
1: sand is you know pristine white the sea is
0: a kind of tealy blue I was going to say turquoise, but I'll go yeah, with I'll the go Turquoise
1: is t- maybe a bit strong, but you've got sunglasses on, so it might be. That's yeah.
0: true, a bit of a tint. No, it's lovely. It's been, it's been fun. Uh, just before we go, uh, I thought very quickly we could just um, take stock of what the state of play is in cricket globally. I'm aware that we've been a little bit English England-centric on the last couple of episodes, but <laughs> the bottom line is not much else is happening at the moment. Everything else that was supposed to be happening or have happened, has been postponed for obvious reasons. Pakistan are coming to England after this. India are supposed to be touring Australia later this year, and that's still slated to go ahead. The World T20, which is also meant to be happening in Australia, is, I don't think they've made an announcement yet, but it's almost certainly going to be postponed. In its place, in that window, they might play the IPL. That's what the talk is at the moment. You can imagine my feelings about that, but it's uh, it'll be interesting to see how they plan to make that biosecure. Obviously, the situation in India at the moment seems to be going in the wrong direction. So, um, yeah, it remains to be seen what happens with that. There's talk of England's tour of India being moved to the UAE. It's all very much still up in the air, but it, it has at least, I think, this test shown that it's possible to play cricket um, biosecurely. So hopefully more more fixtures can be locked in at some point.
1: Yeah, I mean... <laughs> we've spoken well we've said this I think on every single pod that we've done since the start of this whole damn thing is that it's really hard to know at any moment whether things are moving in the right direction or not Um, so yeah I don't know my personal view would be to kind of cherish uh, uh, and make the most of these tests and certainly the ones because who knows I mean yeah things could be knocked off course again before they get better so just enjoy
0: it I think definitely definitely and and really looking forward to the, the remainder of the series of course that's not the only high-profile cricket to have taken place over the last week or so. Club cricket continuing in Guernsey, Tone, and, and some of it is being live-streamed. Uh, and none other than the two of us were uh, were called in to commentate on a couple of matches last week.
1: Yeah, it was good fun. I mean, the forecast was for rain, so I'd, and it was raining in the morning, so I'd basically given up on the fact that there was going to be any play and gone to the supermarket when the call cool came. You know, we're going to be on in half an hour. Can you get down? I sort of had a basket full of um, of just fantastic ingredients for full English, like really nice sausages, yeah, all this, all this stuff. Um, anyway, I had to drop that and run, uh, and then yeah, we got we, we sort of missed the first four overs of a, of a T10 shortened T10 game. Uh, but yeah, we jumped on, uh, jumped on, and yeah, called the action as they say. Yeah,
0: it was funny because at the beginning of the fifth over, we came on for the first time, and you're like, right, welcome to the. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think on the last pod we, we mentioned that we might do this, and I, I did say that um, a month or so ago when cricket returned for the first time and there was nothing else happening, there was no test cricket, obviously, there's nothing, no cricket being played anywhere. And they live streamed the game, and, and I think it had over 100,000 views. Um, and I did say, you know, sort of, kind of, I was prepared for it to be not quite that high. 15 minutes in uh, in between overs or whatever I was like I'll oh, just get the old phone out jump on the <laughs> jump on the stream see how we're doing see how many thousands how many tens of thousands of, of viewers we've got and it was uh, 27 27 viewers so yeah, yeah it wasn't, well, wasn't, <laughs> wasn't quite the we same we didn't publicise it very much but if we do it again we will put we'll put out more of a yeah, a bit more warning yeah let the listeners know but we also <laughs> we missed the start of the first game because you were in the supermarket when the call came in we also missed the start of the second game <laughs> Even though we were at the ground. Because you were in the middle of uh, wolfing down some chicken nuggets and chips. The game started and you know, suddenly they were out there on the field and it was like, Oh shit, you know, <laughs> sprinted over. Uh and yeah, missed the first like four or five deliveries. Do you think AgNew has the same the same challenges? I'm sure I'm sure they
1: must have rushed up at some point. It, things do happen very quickly, don't they, when you're not you know, you're trying to eat. <laughs>
0: Time moves faster. Didn't help that you'd been uh you hadn't heard when they called out your number. 906. Yeah. 906. Chicken nuggets. 906. Anyway, it was really good fun. So yeah, yeah we'll do more of that. Hopefully we'll be doing more of it later in the summer. Anyway, that's about it. We'll be back uh, after the second test to review that one. In the meantime, if you enjoy the World Cricket Show, jump on our social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Send us an email, if you like, worldcricketshow at gmail.com. And if you enjoy the podcast, then do uh, leave a rating and a review on uh, Apple Podcasts or whatever or wherever you listen to it because that does help to bring new people in. But that is your lot. Stay in school, everyone. Uh, I'm going to try and scrape the sand out of my MacBook um, before we go back. All right. Cheers, Tony. Cherry. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye for now.
1: To smell your fear ba da